Hi, it's David Poland with a hot button number 69, Hollywood's new blind spot. I don't hate Barry Weiss. I'm interested in her perspective. I often disagree, but I find her to be much more honest in her expression of ideas than 95% of the right-wing menagerie these days, so I've subscribed to her newsletter, Common Sense. Apparently, she's making a fortune, so she's hiring writers to do some interesting pieces. But the one that dropped Tuesday, Hollywood's New Rules, does a lot to explain why we can't just all get along. Now, full disclosure, I am a Caucasian, Jewish, cisgendered, middle-aged male who has worked in and around Hollywood for 40 years now. I've won some, I've lost some, but I have never spent time worrying about how my gender, sex, or color has affected my career. I have worried about my weight and how it affected my TV work, but that's really my own fault because carbs and meat are a life choice, and I'm sticking with it. So I'm reading this piece by Peter Kiefer and Peter Savodnik, neither of whom I have ever heard of in my life, much less in my 25 years as a working journalist. They probably have never heard of me either, so there. I looked at their work up. Kiefer's work is almost all about national politics and Hollywood connections with real estate. Savodnik is almost completely about politics. So they go do a bunch of interviews to write a story about how terrible the woke movement is in Hollywood and has been for middle-aged white men and even some people of color. And here is where they're right. There is a thing going on. There is a lot of anxiety amongst the previously and currently empowered. There is a lot of scarlet lettering going on, especially on social media platforms like Twitter. There is not a lot of generosity of spirit to people who are liberal allies who started 70% of the way to agreement with a far-left position on inclusion 10 years ago, became 80% of the way to agreement five years ago, and are now lingering in the high 80s and low 90s percentile of agreement today. There are people of color and women, to a lesser degree, being hired to fill unexpressed quotas. And the white power structure of Hollywood, and it still mostly is that, is bending itself into pretzels, as long as they have their power, to give every appearance of prioritizing inclusion and cultural embrace. And not a few are actually sincere in that effort. There is still some well-disguised but flat-out racism, sexism, and overall discomfort in the new woke, with the new wokeness. It's absolutely there. I don't think it's the majority, but it is there. I personally have been in the way of the woke buzzsaw a few times, primarily in asking for people who feel that my 90% posture on these issues is not enough to understand that we're still on the same team, even if, even if I'm not equally willing to be as absolutist as they often are. As a result, I've been called a racist. I've been made persona non grata in certain circles, and I've been ignored by some people I felt were my friends or at least intellectual companions. I do not take being called a racist lightly. It is a violent reputational attack that is short only of being accused of actual abuses, illegal and other. But people who are on the absolutist side of this seem to feel empowered to do what they feel has been done to them, with little thought or caution, as those who have victimized them in much the same way. All that said, what a fucking pair of yahoos these two guys are. The stories they tell and the true feelings of many less empowered now people in Hollywood are not a point of dispute. I know the stories too. I know people who feel exactly as those speaking in the story, quoted or shielded, feel. The problem comes when this opinion piece tries to position itself as a news piece. It is not a news piece. It is a one-sided, often blind account of the fear of change going through Hollywood. Some of it is legit, but mostly it is fear. It could be, in the hands of serious writers, a piece about some legitimate concerns and discomfort in a time of transition. It could have been about the overreach that we all know happens in every paradigm shift in all businesses and all times of change. It could have been a plea for a very real consideration of whether this is the best, best path or whether there are changes that could be made that might frustrate some but would not create the paranoia that is 100% happening if only 33% earned. But that is not what they wrote. 
I quote them. This story wasn't just about white guys not getting jobs, nor was it really about the economics of Hollywood. It was about the stories Hollywood told and distributed and streamed on screens around the globe every day. It was about this massively lucrative industry that had been birthed by outsiders and emerged out of the lemon groves into a glamorous, glitzy mosh pit, teeming with chutzpah and broken hearts and unbelievable success stories that had made the American dream a real pulsating thing for Americans and billions of other people who thought that if you could imagine something, anything, you could will it into being. It was a story about what we aspired to be. Bullshit. Sometimes the fact that any good, besides, wait a minute, sorry, I got a little distracted. Besides the fact that any good editor would fire these two for writing so much florid nonsense, this is the stuff of the big lie. Make Hollywood great again. There was plenty of horrible behavior in those glamorous mosh pits, plenty of sexual abuse and harassment, plenty of racism, plenty of power used to conceal and destroy. Oh, how the world loved McCarthyism. Oh, how the world loved Uncle Walt's misogyny and anti-Semitism. Oh, how the world loved studio owners sleeping with every woman in their employ who caught their fancy. Oh, how wonderful indentured servitude was. Now, there is a metric ton of stuff to love about Hollywood, and I do. And the work that was done here through the studio system years, much of it was wonderful. But let's not be ostriches. The fault of America in the last century, the faults of America in the last century, were clearly in evidence here in Hollywood as well. Some on the screen and every single one of them off the screen. Over and over this piece, in this piece, the position of the authors is to spin with all the blindness of Trump voters who don't think they're supporting racism and sexism in America. These guys make the sloppy argument that, quote-unquote, the villains, the vast majority from Terminal, Terminator to Hannibal Lecter to Gordon Gecko, were uber-white. They even linked to a list from the Hollywood Reporter of the 25 most evil villains. Did they even read the freaking list that they linked to? Six of the 25 top villains are women. One more had a mental illness that apparently was caused by living in a period that wouldn't deal with non-traditional gender. Eight of them are Europeans or Australian. Two of them are Italians. Two are animated. One is Cuban. One is a machine. One is an animal. And then you have Darth Vader, Jack Nicholson, and the Joker, who, of course, Nicholson also played. Do they get that these women who are uber villains often brilliantly acted, but they're ridden tropes of the sexual anxiety of men? Test screening audiences decided that suicide was too good for Alex Forrest. She needed to be shot down by the wife with whose husband she had cheated. Streep's Miranda Priestley is the only one on the list who isn't physically abusive or murderous. The rest are all laden with sexual subtext and some not so subtextual. Even the Wicked Witch of the West, whose power is threatened by a pretty little white girl from Kansas who killed her sister as the witch ages unattractively. Fifty years later, Gregory Maguire tried to make up for it with Wicked, coming to a theater near you and for 45 days or so. The villains from the Europe and Australia, is it about them being white? Or is it about America's relentless xenophobia? Cubans and Italians who kill people? How original. Darth Vader, who has the voice of a black man intimidating everyone? Yeah, guys, the Joker. He became very, very white. Excellent point. Then they add, in quotes, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, the industry's central nervous system. Seriously, guys, do you know anything about Hollywood? I, I don't want to keep just ripping into this thing point by point, dissecting their piece. There is stuff in the piece that is legitimately problematic. And they are 100% right to complain that no media outlet with real skin in the game will touch any of these stories with a 10-foot pole. Legitimate complaint. Those same outlets, by the way, 
wouldn't touch the Weinstein story or other sexual abuse stories with a 10-foot pole until one actress who was harassed by Weinstein but not abused allowed her name to be used in the New York Times story. It wasn't Harvey's weakness as a producer. It wasn't Ronan Farrow escaping the clutches of evil NBC. It was actually Judd putting her name in print. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. And never forget, The Hollywood Reporter would not run Kim Masters' Roy Price story until after the Weinstein pieces had broke in the New York Times New Yorker, even though she had nailed the thing. But I digress. There are hundreds of stories about people feeling pressured to hire women and people of color for all kinds of jobs that do not necessarily represent the best possible hires for those jobs. But... There are tens of thousands of stories about people of color and women who have not been able to get in through the door to show their value for decade after decade after decade. And this is not a non-issue. And anyone who argues that this is a non-issue has earned the brutal shitstorm that is coming their way. No one, not even Sam Wasson, who's a friend, who was quoted in the piece, was more brutal about the disaster of the Academy Museum than I. I shredded it in just my second newsletter. My issues were far more than just the lack of Jewish history. I feel the museum was ill-conceived and disrespectful to the entire history of cinema by trying so hard to be politically correct. There is plenty there to attack. But these schmucks once again found the most petty way of attacking. And I quote, In what is now common practice in places like Los Angeles, an elder from the local Tongva tribe kicked things off with a blessing and quote-unquote land acknowledgement. The sanitation worker whose job it was to clean the podium between speakers dutifully wore his mask. The speakers did not. Can you hear the freaking Tucker Carlson smugness as you read that shit? I was backdoor disinvited from the party for being mean about Dot Hudson and the museum, which they tried to make up for by sending me a year's free pass. I have reason to be angry with them, but mocking them for showing respect to Native Americans as they do in America's festivals in Toronto and Sundance? F off, guys. Putting real women have curves next to Citizen Kane as though they're equals in film history, that is PC madness. Avoiding the great white filmmakers of the last 50 years, during, of course, which there should have been more inclusion and opportunity, while giving special sections only to people of color, sticks out like a sore and insulting thumb. Putting Chivo's widescreen cinematography in small slivers three at a time on a 55-inch screen, it's insane. Of course, that last one wasn't political. It was really just breathtakingly stupid and offensive. This too is not political, but just stupid. More quotes. For years, the real money in Hollywood came from the television channels that broadcast reruns and old movies. Residuals meant creatives were paid handsomely. But with the rise of Netflix, Amazon, and other streaming services, that model collapsed. And the vast majority of creatives had to make do with less. God bless them. Not everybody needs to know the history of money in Hollywood. Don't just make shit up. Reruns in old movies? What the hell are they talking about? And yeah, the model is changing and changing fast, but it is far from collapse. Streaming is not yet profitable. Television via broadcast cable and satellite still is. Won't be forever, but it's paying for this transition. There is more product being made now than ever in the history of film and television. Not an exaggeration. There is more product in production right this minute than we've ever had in the last 50 years or at the height of the studio system. And people are making vast fortunes on a level they never have before. And more people are making more fortunes. This does not mean that they're not people who, even very talented people, getting lost in the process. It doesn't mean that the last three slots in every writing team had better show create or create or extend diversity, even if that's not the preference of the showrunners. It doesn't mean that a bunch of people who are used to being treated one way are now being treated much less well. 
But one more time, a lot of this is making up for decade after decade of lost time. And this argument that the product will suffer is a load of horseshit. One of the best on the best TV shows, the top names lead and are really on top of it. There are stars of every writing staff, and then there are others. But if you aren't in the room, you cannot rise to be one of those stars. And people of color and women have been excluded, evil intention not required, for decades. I don't like when people of color or women or women of color tell white men to shut up and deal with it. Being an asshole about it wasn't okay for those white men when those women and people of color were relegated to just buying lunch. And being an asshole is not okay just because you're on the right side of history. Everybody needs to stop virtue or unvirtue signaling and be decent human beings to other decent human beings, period, in every field. But woe is us white folks is not just mocked because white people are suddenly second-class citizens in Hollywood. We are not. The top of the food chain is still rarely anything but white, and bless their soul, some women have made it up there. Reasonable balance is still a long-range goal, even if we white people are bored with having to keep it in mind. The boys closed by shoehorning Mike White, who is an honest guy and a great sport, into saying something that he really isn't saying by insisting through the edit that girl, the girls on White Lotus were symbols of writers' rooms in Hollywood. I'm pretty sure Mike White hasn't been in a writers' room in 15 years or longer, but this is typical of this kind of writing. The writer has an idea, and they're going to make it work, even if it has to be manipulated to the point of not being truthful. Obviously, these guys pissed me off, but let me say it again. There are stories that should be told. Everyone should be allowed their voice, even if they're not allowed their biases and the indulgence of their fears. But when you tell one-sided stories, you lie. Sometimes we do it by mistake. That should be forgiven. Sometimes ideas or words slip out. Forgive this. Transition is hard. Be kind. But there are some smart people who are promoting this shit because it seems edgy or daring or whatever. This piece, in spite of the amount of legwork, is a work of propaganda. And if you are pushing it as cool, you are a propagandist too. I do not take that accusation lightly, but ignorance and not having thought it through to 100% is no damned excuse for selling this crap. Don't be cautious because you're afraid. Be cautious because it is the right thing to do. The golden fucking rule. Until tomorrow. <laughs>